Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you about another great podcast. ESPN, in partnership with Peyton Manning's Omaha Production, present Always College Football with ESPN college football analyst Greg McElroy taking a deep dive into the sport with the biggest names on and off the field. With off-seasons being a thing of the past, McElroy goes year-round with analysis, opinions, and insight on top teams and under-the-radar stories from coast to coast. That's Always College Football. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. It is that time of week where we have a guest join us. And I'm going to just point this out. This is our first time having this guest on since he became somebody's daddy. Ugh. And coincidentally... This is the first time he's come all wearing glasses. Joel Anderson, <laughs> just saying you are you are leading in already. I'm falling apart, bro. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, Uncle Bomani has, was very generous with my with my little man, and he sleeps in it downstairs from time to time. So, you know, I, I try to, you know what I'm saying, give Uncle Bo his props. But, yeah, man. I appreciate I'm, I'm, it. Hey, I'm hey. deteriorating in rapid time. And you can tell him. Sometimes the little homie be crying. And he put me on the speakerphone and I hit him with that soothing voice and the little homie chill out. It did happen once. But yeah, it didn't happen he, the he, next time. Yeah, right. It did happen the next time. So I don't know. You, you fit, you, you're shooting 50% right now, which is not bad. But Yeah, know. I think <laughs> I, I'd rather say I'm batting 500. That's, that's it. You know what I'm saying? It's about. I mean, there's a lot of ways to look at it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I still need more consistency than 50% uh, the way yeah. my life is set up right now. Yeah, I tell you <laughs> this. If you had 50% consistency on that, you wouldn't have needed me to do it. That's all I'm saying. Man, come on. That's all there I'm you saying. There you know you what I'm saying? You, you know, you know, he used to y'all though. That's the problem. He's I like, know, <laughs> yeah, oh, he, he, I mean, he, but you know what, man? He's like, I mean, this week he will turn officially three months. And he's doing the smiling thing. And oh yeah, you finally get the personality yeah, out of it. The gummy, yeah, the you know that that little gummy tooth grin. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It just, man. I mean, I'm becoming soft, man. I really am. I'm becoming soft. I need to, I need to toughen back up. Um, but I may be uh, going nah, too far deep in already. No, no, no. Just wait till he's able to talk. He gonna say something that gonna bring it right back at you. Oh, I already know. I'm just like I, that's why every day I'm like, look, man. I'm just gonna hold him, kiss him, do all this stuff because I know you know around about eight. It's going to be, we're going to be knuckled up in here. You know? <laughs> I'm just waiting on uh, 14. 14 about the one that first time that the little homie is under the, the, the misunderstanding that uh, he might want more than he, nah, 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 nah. I got a, I got a gym downstairs, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So that's why, I'm, that's why I'm, I'm staying at it because, you know, I'm a little older in the game than some yeah. of the other fathers. So I got I to gotta stay on top of it because I don't want him thinking he could run up on me just because I'm a little older, like my back stooped a little bit. It ain't going to be like that. I'm going to stay in shape for that. I actually have a question about that. We're going to talk about conference realignment. we probably talk a little bit about that Arch Manning dude and all of that stuff. But I am wondering this, right? Like, as you know, people our age are having, well, they've been had the kids. You know what I'm saying? But, like, everybody cool with their kids now, right? Like, like, let everybody tell it, right? They can talk about anything, (laughs) da-da-da, all this stuff, right? I'll be hearing nearly as many stories, though, about what I know to be the case about raising kids in general, but boys in particular, which is at some point, you probably going to have to make him believe that you are, in fact, willing 
to beat him like he's a grown man. <laughs> right? 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 And the reason is that person has done something that a grown man would get beat for, right? Like the lesson has to be taught. I don't be hearing them stories like all that. Oh yeah, me and my kid, cool. Y'all ain't fooling me. Teenagers are still teenagers. And at some point you might've had to put them on the wall. I was a good kid. I'm sure you you were a good kid too. But every now and again, you know, my pops had to like assert the hierarchy <laughs> in this household. You know what I'm saying? And the thing is, you know, my pops... Uh, five foot six, not a not a very big dude. Did play college football though. Always had big muscles, and he, you know, fought Vietnam. So I just knew, like instinctively, I was like, "There's a places that I don't even want to go with him." But I just, I don't know, man. It never occurred to me that I should take that shot at him. But I've heard about it in other families, and I'm like, man, nah, bro, I don't, I don't even want to give him that sliver of opening because once you get to that door, it's hard to close it. But see, here's where that thing comes in. It'd be less about what you say to your pops than in many of these stories, what your pops heard you say to your mama, right? Y'all are having some discussion and your pops is in like, hey, man, you're going to need to fall back. But you don't fully understand like what that's my wife means, right? Like you don't you don't you don't fully get that. (laughs) She was here first. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like my homeboy got a story about that and, you know, it didn't go so well for him with his pops. And I asked what it was and he said what happened was he told his pops while he was having this argument with his mom, this don't involve you. <laughs> Which we would all agree that we understand why somebody would say that, right? It's a conversation between two people, but that's not how that's my wife works. You see right, what I'm saying, right. right? And so, yeah, yeah, that didn't go so good. The thing for me was because uh, my daddy took a job working somewhere else when I was 13. And so from then until I graduated high school, he wasn't there. But you know who moved in? My brother, who's 13 years older than me, which puts him in a daddy-like age, but youthful and more than willing to take on that job. So you were never able to be under the illusion that you were the man of the house at any point in your life. No, 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 no. I never had that thought. I just wanted to be the man of my room. And that, <laughs> and, and that you got to earn that one too. This is the best one I've ever heard though. One of my partners tells this story about he was living with his mom. His dad didn't live there. And he had just reached that point where he decided that he come home whenever he wanted to come home, right? And so he go out one day and he said he come back and... He says, mom just sitting on the couch when he walks in. He said he looked at her and he said he gave her this one. Just threw his hand up. Walked walk past her. Walked to his bedroom. Hit the switch. Bow! His pops is sitting on the bed. Here's what you need to understand. My man lived in San Jose, California. His pops lived in Los Angeles. What? His pops made the trip up what right i mean that ain't no whether you go i-5 whether you go highway one but whatever it was his pops made the trip was waiting on him when he was waiting on him when he came in and his pops was a combination that you don't hear about very often a black panther and a bodybuilder oh man Oh, man. Is this, is this Pops Elijah Farrakhan? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> he said his Pops got him right here. 
brought him up by the neck, no, put him up against the wall, <laughs> feet dangling. And it was just like, oh, okay. That this is this is part of the game. It comes across. And I feel like like these these parents now, maybe it don't happen no more, right? Like maybe all the way raising the most well-behaved kids. Maybe you don't feel like you allowed to do that. I feel you. But I do think it's kind of a rite of passage somewhere between like 13 and 15. You understanding that here's part of the trade of being a man if you think you a man. Are you sure you want to do that? I see an angel when I look at my boy right now, but I already, you know what I'm saying? I mean, because I, I, I try to explain it to my wife. I'm just like, I just know. I just know that there's going to be that day that I have to be ready for, you know, <laughs> that he's not going to always be this beautiful kid that smiles at us and, you know, you hear angels and everything else and, you know, church music. It ain't going to be like that. And you have to be ready because, I mean, again, like as much as I want my boy to love me and us to be cool, I also want there to be an understanding that, like, this is mine. <laughs> you, know what I'm saying? you have to go out and get yours you know what i'm saying and you share but this is mine and i w- i'm still gonna want that respect like that's not gonna change no matter how new age we get with it you know spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days i've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so i can break these skinny allegations i keep getting Spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine dial it up a notch and continue powering off Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten. First of all, you live in the Bay Area. Does anybody care? I'm just kind of curious. No. Um, So, you know, when I used to work at our old shop, I covered the Pac-12 championship. Stanford's right up the street. I think Stanford played USC one of those years, and they played Utah one of those years. Now, of course, those games were on Fridays for some reason, so you're not – I mean, if you – if you live out here and you care about college football, you're in the minority already, but then you got to beat Bay Area traffic to get down to Santa Clara, and it just wasn't happening. It was like, wasn't nobody there, man. I, I saw Notre Dame play at Stafford one time. I mean, if that stadium, I'll be generous and say it wasn't three quarters full, but I feel like it was more like half, but I'm just going to be generous. So I don't think people are going to miss football out here. Like maybe they'll miss water polo or whatever, but football is not the Bay Area does. Stanford, the only school I can think of whose stadium got smaller. Yeah, oh man. But like you got to remember, they That's had real. a Super Bowl at that stadium. 
I guess rice. Does rice kind of count a little bit? I mean, they still got all the seats though, right? Yeah. Like, they just like, they just tarp them over. That's right. Yeah. The the justification <laughs> for the size of the stadium at Rice was the other Houston stuff they were doing, like pre Astrodome. And I mean, there's been a Super Bowl at that stadium. Hosted right? a Super Bowl. That's right. Right. Mm-hmm. But even Stanford, but Rice is not like Rice is not does not play at the seventy thousand seat level of football, no matter how you slice it. Stanford, at least in theory, does. And see, that's part of what's interesting to me about this USC-UCLA move, which, by the way, shout out to everybody who kept that on the low. How in the world did we not find out about it till the day it happened? We found out a moment before they signed the papers on it. Like, that that just does not happen. Even the Texas OU move, which was shocking, it still kind of unfolded over, like, a couple days. It was nothing like this. So shout out John Wilner of the San Jose Mercury (laughs) News who broke that, because that that was crazy. That was wild. So this is happening Obviously, everybody sees what's happening, which is a trend toward two big football conferences. And my first question is, if it's only two conferences, is this, are these even conferences? I mean, it's the AFC and NFC, ain't it? It's more like that than a conference, right? Yeah, like I don't, and even beyond like that sort of level, right? So I guess part of what's going to have to happen with this is we're going to see the whittling away of all these schools that have been honestly not earning their keep in these major conferences, right? So the Big 12 after Texas and Oklahoma left, right? All basically mid-major football programs. <laughs> I mean, one of those schools has won a Rose Bowl in the last decade, but I Oh, I, my I hear bad, my bad, that. my bad. I forgot. I hear you on that. I forgot, I forgot. Sorry, I hear sorry, you on that. sorry about that. But, but, you, right, but you look at what's left, right? There's nobody left to anchor a conference. Like you think about when they started the Big 12, the expectation was that conference would be anchored by Texas, Oklahoma, and Nebraska, right? Like that was the guess. Really, it was it was Texas and Nebraska because Oklahoma had been down at that point. All of them are gone right now. The Pac-12 now no longer, they really only had one what I would call true anchor school, which was USC. Now they don't have one of those. Like you look at the Pac-12 now, that's a lot of little bitty stadiums, man. That's a lot of stadiums that people don't go to. And you just lost the best recruiting territory for your whole conference. Like, that's my thing when I look at the Big 12. Big 12 ain't got players no more. Even if they have schools, there are no players. Right. Well, I mean, I got, the thing that I think about with the Pac-12 that's sort of shocking to me is that everybody is saying that about USC and UCLA. And obviously, it's right. Like, you do not want to lose LA, that recruiting playground, that media market. Like, it's an irreparable blow. Like, you, pro- you probably cannot recover from it. But man... We really are just saying that Arizona, Arizona State. I mean, Phoenix is a top 10, top 11, 12 market. Uh, Nobody cares. I mean, seriously? Because the whole theory has been my entire life. Man, if Arizona State ever get it together, man, Arizona State. Shout out, how many schools we've been saying that about, right? We've been saying that about North Carolina. Yes. Yes. Apparently, a whole bunch of them, right. And it never happened. Rutgers, even for you, man, Rutgers, man, they got the Northeast Corridor on lock as soon as they figure out football. They've only been playing since the first game ever. I mean, they're going to be what they're going to be. But yes, you're right. It's just not going to happen. Well, the, the thing about Arizona as a football state that's so weird is they can't keep, it's the same thing as Maryland. They don't keep any of their best players at any of those schools, right? Like, like if there's a really good football player from the state of Arizona, look for him to go to Texas A&M, look for him to go to USC, look for him to go anywhere. Kyle Allen, Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler didn't even go back to Arizona when he had an opportunity to go after he left OU. He went to South Carolina. Christian Kirk, that's another name that jumps out. Like, like you look at it, that state produces occasionally players. Bijan Robinson. Right. (laughs) 
Right. That's what I'm saying. None of them ever want to stay. And the thing about Arizona is it ain't close to nothing for playing football. Like, even if you talk about getting to L.A., L.A. from Phoenix is, what, like six hours in the car? Like, it's not It's not really close. But, I, I mean, I look at the Pac-12, and you'll still have the Bay Area, I suppose, although I figure that's tenuous. There's no way that Cal and Stanford are sticking around there. Oh, you think so? I don't think oh, yeah. so, man. What do you think, I, what do you think is going to happen? Well, so this is, I mean, everybody has been talking about Oregon and West Washington as the mm-hmm. other West Coast wing of the Big Ten. Uh I don't. What, what would you rather have? Would you rather have Oregon and Washington? Or would you rather have Stanford and Cal? Stanford and Cal. Really? Or, or if I had to take two, Washington and Stanford. Mm. You think you got to have Stanford, huh? I think for the Big Ten being what the Big Ten is, what they claim it is. Yes, right. Well, I would say what it is. Like, so I was trying to explain this on Twitter, and people were like, "Yeah, but the rankings on this ranking, this, this ain't about the rankings." What I'm saying here. Of all these conferences, the Big Ten is the only one that's an actual academic brand. Like, if you tell people, I'm going to a Big Ten school for graduate school, you can't, nobody's saying I'm going to a Pac-12 school. Even if the Pac-12 got something like six of the top 50 schools in the country or something like that, right? Absolutely, yeah. You can't say that about anybody else. So I do think, even when they let, like, Nebraska's the Nebraska and Penn State are the only two that they kind of snuck in there, right? And Nebraska was like the academic heavyweight of the big eight or the big 12 for a yeah, you remember? Well, <laughs> like well, they, yeah for the big eight because once texas right, yeah. and texas a&m came like it was just but like nebraska was shaky to get into the big 10 in terms of academics washington would not be stanford would not be berkeley would not be oregon would be like a little shakier but the way i look at it washington adds something because there aren't that many players in seattle but they got a few right oh yeah they're talking oregon about- giving you no players you know, like, like I would not want to take all of myself real estate that's not also going to get us players. Man, just imagine telling Phil Knight, nah, we don't want you, though. If they don't want him, what Phil Knight going to do? He makes these deals because they're beneficial to him, not, not of any generosity. So I, he, won't, he won't reel back, but I, maybe they don't want to find out. Maybe they don't want to find out what Phil Knight is willing to do. Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess that's fair. I just... I feel like we're watching the destruction of what made college football like interesting in the first place. Cause I can't, I can't wrap my mind around the concept of a conference that has this many teams because it's not a conference, right? Like people aren't really, you're going to have like this rotation of common opponents type of thing, but that, that still don't feel, it does not feel like a conference to me. That doesn't feel like it's, there's a personality to any of these things. It just doesn't feel particularly interesting. I got so I got two pieces of that one and you you we we brought it up on here before you know an important part of the pony excess 30 for 30 to remember is that they talked about the reason LSU started getting into the game for real for real is that those business dudes in Dallas were tired of all their you know their colleagues uh talk about man see how we did your boys the other night I had the Texas A&M grads the UT grads the Baylor grads and like that's how you build interest in like the sort of um the fervor around the game that you have these regional rivalries and you got something to talk mess with with your people and you lose a lot of that when you do this and 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 the other piece of that is that so not to talk about my football undistinguished football career but i i went to tcu in 1996 the year after the southwest conference so we joined that super whack the first 16 team conference and it lasted just a few years because these schools didn't have anything in common why is tcu playing wyoming you know, how can people who how can the fans get hype about that? Like, how can the fans get hype about San Diego State playing rice? You know what I mean? Like, that's just not, you know, not a thing. And maybe it's different. But I I fail to see how 
UCLA versus Purdue is going to move that many people. Like, how can a fan of UCLA get really excited about playing Rutgers or Indiana? Because people think that these games are all like Bama versus Georgia, Ohio State <laughs> versus Michigan. It ain't that, though. It's like South Carolina versus Kentucky. You know what I mean? Like, those are that's as much a part of college football as anything else. And I don't see fans being that excited about that. Do you? Well, not well. It's also a lot of monstrous travel for the students. That part never really like comes up in this when you talk about it, right? But like I was thinking about UCLA Purdue. You see, this is where it would be interesting to me for UCLA when talking about this. A, a school that struggles a bit with attendance in large part because the campus and the stadium have are nowhere near one. Try another. driving from the west side to Pasadena at any time in LA. Correct. Correct. Right. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but I tell you this though whole lot of Purdue people going to be going down there for that first UCLA. That, that excuse to go to Los Angeles. You used to have to earn that in the Big Ten with a, <laughs> with right, a, right. a conference championship. You don't have to do that anymore. Now you just wait till they play each other and then boom, you go down there. And like, I just, I've seen people talk about like, oh, you, so you're telling me that having USC and Ohio State is not going to be something good? I mean, it'll be cool. It's better as an occasional intersectional non-conference game where it's better when you get around to the Rose Bowl and you make that happen. But it's just everybody's holding on for their piece of the rock and trying to make sure that they get something in this in the television, right? And this, uh, our good buddy Spencer Hall makes the point, and I think he's right, man. This sound like Fox had a whole lot to do with this, right? Because something that people need to understand about the sports television game is if you haven't been to L.A. or spent a lot of time in L.A., this is something I can tell you about Los Angeles. It is the city where you are most likely to walk into the bar and see FS1 on the screen, right? Like just about everywhere else you go, ESPN leans is the default. It's kind of a 50-50 situation down there in L.A. Like Fox has a different hold in that place and that place views Fox a little bit differently. So the idea that the conference that Fox has the games for gets the LA teams isn't terribly shocking. No, that makes a lot of sense. Cause you're right. I feel like Skip and Shannon are just like, I mean, and, and Colin Cowherd, like they're all their bases out here and they spend a lot of time talking about West coast sports in a way that like ESPN doesn't necessarily, well, for with good reason. I mean, like there's not a lot to talk about, but I guess like, what is I know that UCLA and USC, they're going to get that Fox, that sweet Fox money. You know what I'm saying? Because like, that Pac-12 media deal was horrible and it had hamstrung them for so many years. And that's one of the reasons that Larry Scott is no longer the commissioner in the Pac-12. They brought in the new guy so he could get this good, this great media rights deal. Right. And that's well and good. What's in it for USC and UCLA, but nice new facilities, um, that kind of stuff. like. The recruits in L.A. are not going to be going to West Lafayette. They're not going to go to games there. They're not going to go to Madison, Wisconsin in November. Um, their family can't see them play. You know what I mean? Like, they'll play a few games here, but, like, they're not going to. Yeah, hold on. And you don't want the players that are in that conference's footprint. Right, right. You don't. I mean, you don't want nobody out in Nebraska, or Indiana, or New Jersey. Maybe you want a few guys out of New Jersey. You know what I'm saying? Every now and again, you know, they turn but out But they was getting them already if they wanted them. Right. I mean, I mean, so it's so when Texas went to the SEC and made the move that they made, the reason I thought it made sense for them was that. So the trick bag, I think, about being the coach at Texas, and this is something I don't think is discussed enough. You really have to get all the best players in Texas to be competitive. And the reason is Texas isn't close to anything else. Right. 
So think about this. If you're from Houston and LSU recruits you, that's a four, four and a half hour drive. If you are from Baton Rouge and Texas recruits you, Austin is not no four and a half Long hours trip. away. You Long see what trip. I'm saying? Right? Yeah. Long trip. So if out-of-state recruiting in Texas means out-of-state recruiting, right? The only state that borders Texas that produces players is Louisiana, and you're really only getting the players out of Louisiana that LSU doesn't want. LSU gets just about everything that you know they want out of there. You got to get all the players. But then when Texas A&M went to the SEC, now Alabama's coming in and getting your players. Now Ole Miss is coming in and getting players. LSU is getting more players. A&M is getting a bigger share of the players than they had been getting before. If Texas was still in the Big 12, how were they supposed to get players, right? Like, how were they supposed to get enough players to be a legitimate, viable contender? It couldn't happen. Like, they, I, I felt like, and I don't know how much this was in the math because the, the money is the thing that drives everything, but I felt like they had to get into that conference to make sure they could have players in Oklahoma for the same reason was going to wind up having to do that. Eventually, the kids are going to be like, but yo, um, I get to play against LSU, Florida, Georgia. You know what I'm saying? And like in, in Texas and OU are like, yeah, man, but you know, we go up to Kansas State. You know, we might run this. You might have a quicker, but that's not. Kids want the competition. They want the passion behind it. And Texas didn't have that to sell. And also, I mean, I hate to say that good things are happening for Texas. The Texas SEC move makes a lot of sense to me, too, because not only does it allow them to stay in the game with these top recruits, but they also restore all of their major rivals for the first time in recent memory. Like kids don't re- like kids. You don't understand that Texas and Arkansas used to be a thing when we were growing up. Like them kids, them, them people in Arkansas hate Texas. You know what I mean? so much, and they played <laughs> yeah. Texas like five times in the last twenty years. They care so they much. hate them so much, so much. They get A and M back. They get OU, man. And then you might get a chance to play LSU or whoever else, which could, you know, that there's, there could be something bubbling up there. You know, LSU and Bama wasn't a huge thing, you know, for most of our childhood. It became a thing. So you can see why it makes a lot of sense, those moves for Texas. Um, the thing, but, but here's the thing, Bamani, and I, I, you know, we need to be honest about what's your favorite program, who they are, what they've done. Your favorite football program, University of Texas. I think we need... <laughs> I think we need to be real about who they are. This is what I think about a lot. Is it going to be fun, though? Like, Arkansas used to matter. Arkansas used to matter. Nebraska used to matter. Is it fun? Like, you, got, you, you got the nice new facilities. You can tell your kids you compete in one of the best conferences in the country. But are you liking how it's working out for you, bro? Yeah, but, but here's the thing. One, was it going to be fun in the Big 12 anymore? And I don't, I mean, ain't nothing been fun since 2009 if you root for Texas, if we're being perfectly honest here, right? The thing I think for Texas about the SEC, it may not be fun, but I think it's going to put a file under their asses that ain't even been there in quite a while because there's room for full-on embarrassment going to the SEC as Texas has been, right? Like More than could, losing to Kansas? Yeah, 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 way more, way more, because they would just be losing all the time over there. Like, like getting your doors blown off by Alabama. They played against LSU, you know, not too long ago, and they acquitted themselves fairly decently. But, like, going to the SEC, I think, will be great for Texas basketball. I'm not sure what it's going to ultimately do for Texas football because they're going to have to change a lot about what they do. And 
the state of Texas does not produce defense, like interior defensive linemen, for whatever reason, have Ain't never no more really Tommy been thing that Texas had. <laughs> but even Tommy Harris was an anomaly at the time, right? Right. Like, right. like, but they like Ashawn Robinson, anomaly for the time. That's just something that Texas doesn't really do a great job of on the high school level, or historically hasn't. Maybe that's changed. That's where the SEC dominates is depth on both lines, right? Texas has produced, what, one NFL lineman in the last 15 years or something like that? They ain't produced a lot of NFL anything in the last 10 years, to be honest. So, I mean, it ain't just a lineman, but you're right. No, yes, but the I lineman mean, no, but the lineman part is particular, right? Like, oh, I yeah. can they go through in these other places. And I can show you, like, defensive back, for example, I can show you Texas still, even as things weren't going so well, they were still sending those dudes there where they haven't had it in a way that doesn't make any sense to anybody is up front. At one, like, in that time where Texas wasn't sending no lineman to the NFL, Texas A&M had a year where they had three first-round picks on the offensive line at the same time. Damn, that's right. That's right. Yeah, wait, did, didn't Puna Ford? I mean, I don't know what people think of Puna Ford. He was South Carolina. Oh, that's right. Man, that, Puna Ford was I said, I don't know why. Why? How did Puna Ford yo, end up yo, in the University yo. of Texas? I mean, first of all, Charlie Strong, but number two, his name is Puna. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if he Geechee, but that sounds Geechee to me. Very fair point. Very, very fair point. Very, very fair point. Yeah, I mean, so so Texas has not produced that beef. And I don't know where they're going to get it from because everybody else wants that. Georgia, Alabama. I mean, man, people are already in Florida's ass about not recruiting right. You know, and that's that's Florida. You know, right. Florida is cold. Well, the, the question is this. Will joining the SEC now allow Texas to get players out of the SEC footprint that it could not get before. Can you now get players from Atlanta? Because it's not like they don't have anything to sell or anything to offer. Like Oklahoma has subsisted on out-of-state recruiting for its entire existence. Like sometimes it's guys from Texas, a lot of times it's guys from California, you know, all of that stuff. That's what they're going to have to figure out is you're going to have to now go in there all those years they didn't recruit Florida. Well, you you know, Charlie did it a little bit, but no, that's over now. You're going to have to do that. And them Texas high school football coaches are going to have to make peace with the fact that, hey, man, like it's the same thing that happened at Ohio State where Urban Meyer looked around and was like, hey, guys, thanks for everything you've done, but we're going to need a little better than what y'all got to provide. Yeah, but, but money, man, I mean, the thing is, is they're like, why? Okay, so they can they can they can do all that like they can you know try to recruit or whatever what school has been better off going into a league not i'm not talking about financially what school what program and obviously texas is different the sec is different like that's a different level of you know competition and branding or whatever but has any school been better off in terms of on product on field product for going into a new league i can't think of one well, that's a good point because normally you're stepping up a league when you were doing that. So, like, one thing I never felt like got adequately discussed, none of those Big E schools that went to other leagues were ever the same, right? Virginia Tech had a nice run early in the ACC, but you see that that ultimately then fell back to the pack. Louisville had runs where they could dominate in the Big East. They just a team in the ACC. West Virginia, just a team in the Big 12, every single one of them that made a jump like that, at least as far as I can tell, they just went and became a team in the conference that they went to. Texas A&M, 
they just destined to be an eight-win program. They win, They were eight-win in the Big 12. And granted, the Big 12 around that time was closer to the SEC than people gave it credit for. But they were eight-win team in the Big 12, and they're an eight-win team in the SEC. Hey, man, don't, you don't, don't overlook the 9-1 and one pandemic season. And they had the number one recruiting class most recently. I'm not trying to hype them up because I don't want them to get yeah, excited. But I'm just saying, with all those either, things but. you saying, though, it still come back to eight. They beat Alabama. Still was an eight-win team. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, ultimately, the Aggies at the end of the day. But, yeah, man, I, I – I, well, see, so now you make me actually rethink it because I think that A&M brand-wise is better off for having left the Big 12. And it gave them a chance to establish an identity out from under Texas, right? I think that sounded like a good idea on paper. You don't think it's a good idea at all? Though. No, no, no. No, no, no. I mean the thought that they established an identity – have they? Have they established an identity or have they been in a position to put some money on the road in ways that are fair and legal? I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, we don't want Jimbo a, calling up here. Yeah, know, yeah, no, nah, but if they just, I mean, that identity is still eight wins, right? Like they, and, and well, never, and, and well, also, don't forget this. Uh, it, it wasn't an identity because it went away the second Texas joined the SEC because their whole big thing when this came down was way, way the darn minute. We're the Texas team in the SEC because they know that once Texas show up, it go away. So I don't think their identity got established. I just think they played in the SEC. Like they're they're the same. They the same as they always been. Nothing is really fundamentally changed. Right. Not not won a conference championship. Moderately competitive. Recruit pretty well, but still never kind of bust through. They never yeah. had them early nineties. You know RC. You know Jackie. Everybody Cheryl, look, look years, right? Everybody talks about how much Texas is underachieved, and Texas is absolutely one hundred percent underachieved. The biggest underachiever in college football. Nobody ever Great says minute. Texas A and M is underachieved, and that's the most <laughs> damning thing that you can say about Texas A and M football. Well, I mean, come on. Now, you can't have it both ways because you also say, hey, man, have you ever been to College Station? And then you're no, saying they no, underachieved. No, you but can't have it both but, ways. But, but no, I can't have it both ways because what you're saying there is the same way. My point simply is Texas A&M ain't even enough for people to think what their performance has been is underachievement, right? Like anytime it looks like it's going, and it's like, oh, man, it looks like Texas A&M is putting that thing together. Whenever Texas gets it going, <laughs> they're like, oh, is Texas back? They act like A&M had never been there. That's all I'm saying is that their problem was not from being under Texas. Their problem was being Texas A&M. <laughs> Man. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, I, I do think that it felt like and there's no way to really quantify this. I'm sure that they have some brochures or paperwork that can show me that they have benefited in some way. I'm sure they've benefited greatly from money. I'm just saying there's an argument that in the time they've been in the conference, they might not have been the best school in maroon and white in the Western Division. Has there been, for all the things that AM have done over the course of our lifetime, they've never had a recruiting class like what they just had. They've never had the kind of like attention and focus on them that they had prior to this. Like I just, they went like 10 and two in like 91. I think maybe they weren't, they were on probation so they couldn't go to the Cod Bowl. And I just like, I don't feel like they were a national presence. And I feel like you can't talk about college football you can't talk about the sec without talking about texas a&m right now and that's something that i don't think would have been true if they had stayed in the big 12 and like that alone that i would agree with right like i think that i think they did parlay that we're the texas school in the sec thing and a whole lot of want to right like want to let me ask you this and this is where it gets interesting could they have gotten jimbo to coach them if they were in the big 12 because I think a lot of what we're talking about here is about Jimbo, who I have a lot of criticism of. But 
it was a sign when they got him that they were serious about this in a way they had not been. Well, okay, I guess I, I don't know how bad he knew things were going to get at Florida State. You know what I mean? Like, he may have been like, man, that's a lifeline. Well, would they have paid him? <laughs> is that, well, the question is, yes, because he did need a lifeline. Like, no, I do, I do know how bad it got at the end at Florida State. And yes, he had to get the hell out of there. It was a sinking ship and a ship that he put some of the holes in, just to be clear. But I guess then the question becomes if Texas A&M offered him a guaranteed hundred million dollars. Oh, absolutely. If they not, not in the SEC, right? That's, they wouldn't have the money. I mean, maybe. Well, I guess one. it depends on how oil's doing. Like you said, it depends on how oil's doing that. Well, that's about oil because that money that that's that's not money that comes out of the budget. That's money that comes out of the boosters. Right, right. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I doubt it. I doubt it very seriously. Um, I mean, because then this is like Texas A&M. But see, the thing is, even when Texas A&M was in the Big 12 or the Southwest Conference, they still wanted to win. They still did all the things. I mean, the funny thing about Pony Excess and 30 for 30 is that everything that everybody said about SMU, what people remember specifically was trans A&M. You know what I mean? <laughs> so they've always had to want to. Uh, it's just that now it's like they got a little bit more. Hey, we can put a little something extra on that, too. Now, you know, if you want to come on down here. Yeah, no, I mean, but even with A&M, and I think about for them being in the SEC, like they they got self-esteem problems. So like simply being in the conference affected them positively in a way that is different than you'll have in a lot of cases, right? Like I don't think that Missouri fans swell their chest up about joining the the SEC nearly in the same way that Texas A&M fans did. But my, so you talk about how people come at you. I mean, a couple of years ago, maybe it was last fall, I just talked about, hey man, like Mizzou fans, are y'all enjoying your SEC experience? And they're like, we won the SEC East them first couple of years. I'm like, bro, that was that was in the Obama administration, dog. You know what I'm saying? No, kid, kids don't talk about that no more. But this is the thing. They were in a similar place to where A&M was until now. And by the way, don't forget, A&M had some big old recruiting classes when they first joined the SEC, too, that didn't ultimately pan out to winning anything. Let us not forget. But they could do that when they first got there because they could get Texas. Well, for Missouri in particular, they could get those Texas players. Once they joined the SEC, they they wouldn't get no boys from Alabama. They wouldn't get no boys from like they weren't getting those players. They could get players. When they were in the Big 12, because everybody ate off of Texas. That's part of why coaching at Texas is so hard, because the whole conference was eating off of your state. And that, and then the SEC started doing it on top of that. Right. I mean, the thing is, yeah, the SEC comes in, and they would take the cream of the top. So they, they get, like, the five stars in Texas. The thing that would hurt Texas and the Big 12 is that, oh, man, Robert Griffin, you missed on that. Andrew Luck, you missed on that. You weren't losing them to them big schools. You were just losing them. But it's just, I mean, it's that. I mean, Texas is an impossible job. I, I mean, you know, good luck, Steve Sarkeesian, holding it all together because it is very, very difficult. But because right, you can't. I mean, it's not possible in a state where I think there are ten or eleven FBS programs, maybe more now. I don't even know. It's just not possible to get everybody. And like, I just, I always think that people's expectations of Texas have always been sort of unrealistic, especially since desegregation, in part because of that. Because it's just, they're not going to be able to get all those people. I mean, Texas has its own little issues, you know, which is why you're struggling with your fandom right now. You I'm know? not struggling. I told you I don't do that no more. I can't understand why. Your you jaw tight because you're saying that. it too. Your jaw get tight when you say it. It really doesn't, though. That's the thing, man. I got enough dignity that I can do that. Like, when I keep rooting for a team where a man crushed my career dreams and then later was exposed for saying the N-word to his players, no, I wouldn't have any problem getting rid of that. What about you, Joe? (laughs) You know what? That's fair. 
That's fair. <laughs> that's okay. That's, I'll, fair. that's all. All I needed was fairness. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's talk about Arch Manning. Because okay. uh, people would, would, it's so funny that, like, when the Arch Manning thing came down, he went to text people, like, yo, I can't wait to hear Bobody talk about it. And I was like, I don't really know what exactly you want me to say about this. I don't know nothing about this boy. All Man. I know is who he can to. But I have this question <laughs> for you mm-hmm. Do you ever think that Archie Manning is embarrassed that his sons were so slow? Like, as much as we talk about, like, the Mannings as this, like, you know, the, the family of quarterbacks and everything, what's so wild is neither Peyton nor Eli played anything like their daddy, which must tell us that he firmly believes, yeah, man, playing in the pockets will keep you safe. I was running, ar- I, I was running around, and now look at my fingers. Well, that's what I was about to say. I was like, you know, it might have been a matter of survival. They never, Eli and Peyton probably never had to survive quite like Archie <laughs> had to from Ole Miss to New Orleans. You know what I'm saying? But them boys is slow. Like, like, oh, like, slow. like they play nothing like their dad does. Nothing oh, at all. Not at all. I mean, and that's the thing. I don't know. Again, I don't know anything about Arch Manning. I am a sicko. I will watch a high school football game on TV or I'll even go drive two hours to one, you know, if it's close enough. I don't know anything about how good he is, but is that kind of quarterback? Is that kind of style of football still? So I was reading about him, right? I think I saw some in the athletic that I thought was very interesting. And they said the concern about him is that he doesn't really play well on the run, which is what Ooh. brought me to this Ooh. line of this logic that I got, you know, how, how we got to where we are in this. Because, yeah, man, if you can't really. football is now? Well, and you're going to be playing in the SEC. Ooh. Like, if getting it done on the move ain't your bag, then, ooh. And oh, but Mike, he's playing in the SEC with a program that doesn't have SEC talent yet. Like, you're playing against Georgia and Bama and LSU's defenses, too, right? Yeah. You don't have the linemen. You don't necessarily have yeah. the, the, the under, skill players. Under a microscope, unlike any we will have seen. Because, hey, man, we remember the Chris Sims time at Texas, which in looking back on it, Chris was a better player than we probably gave him credit for, though ultimately for what they needed, probably not good enough, and that would be a fair point to make. Not coach well enough, which wasn't his fault, but ultimately, and for those who don't remember this, Chris Sims, you know, it was Phil Sims' son. He was from, I think, Rahway, New Jersey. Came in class in 99. It was Mac Brown's first big class. They got the number one player in America on offense and the number one player in America on defense, right? Like, it's the class that begins to change everything. And he had this couldn't quite beat out major Applewhite situation. <laughs> and then Mac Brown made the boldest move of his career and what he should have done. We got a ceiling on the little guy. We're going to go with the big dude and we're going to put him out there. But Nothing was ever going to be good enough for Chris Sims at Texas. The microscope was just there. And how is that going to go for Arch Manning being there? What will be termed good enough? Because think about this. Let's say he's as good as Eli, who was a very good to excellent, maybe even a college football Hall of Fame caliber player. I don't think Texas fans going to think that's good enough. Yeah, man. I mean, all of us know better than to read too much into social media 
response, but they seem to think that they got Vince. You know what I mean? And if he falls short of that, and people, the thing about Vince is that people were disappointed at Vince at certain points throughout his career. Like he turned it around. Was it that that fourth and twenty something against? Cam- I don't know. Cam- I don't, I'm trying to remember. The turning point, like the nadir, right? The trough of the wave was when they lost to Oklahoma in 04, 12 to nothing. 12 to nothing, and that's, that's right. When, and that was the, we need to flip up how we do things. And then after that, the upswing began. Right, right. So, yeah, I mean, people got disappointed with Vince, who is the best quarterback in program history. And I just, I mean, look, man, I don't know what Arch Manning, you know, like what his constitution is and like his confidence. And obviously he has the benefit of a lot of grooming and pedigree that not many other people have, but that is, they are asking him to do a lot. Like he's not coming into a program that's ready-made like, you know, like Bryce Young and, uh, you know, uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence, they went to programs and they were the missing piece, right? Like they were the the thing, like Arch is asking, essentially, we're going to build it around me. I don't, well, Think about this, though, to be fair, right? Like, and where it gets interesting, there's no guarantee he wins the job right away, right? In fact, I would probably deem it to be unlikely. Quinn, yours is anything near mm. what people, is it mm. anywhere near? Mm. Right, I mean, but you can say You've that. You've heard some of them same reports. Yeah, but but this is what I'm saying. You heard some of the same reports, but before Ewers got to college, the things that they saying about Arch Manning is what they were saying about him. Right, a fair point. Yeah, you was left to go to Ohio State to capitalize on NIL money. That's how yes. much hype there was around him. So, yes. But think about this. Don't forget this. You and I talked about this the other day. Peyton Manning, one of the great college football quarterbacks we've ever seen. Number one was like the number two quarterback in his own recruiting class. They, he did not start at the beginning of his freshman year and not because the incumbent was a senior. It was another freshman who was starting over him. And then from there, you want to talk about the ups and downs, right? They lost a game to Memphis. They never won a game against Florida. His last game was that Orange Bowl against Nebraska. They got destroyed, and that was Peyton Manning, right? Peyton Manning, one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen by far. It was a bumpy at every... I think it was the four-string quarterback when he went to Tennessee. They had a brother. I remember watching that game that he played. Like, they had a brother named Jerry Colquitt. Shout out Jerry Colquitt. I don't remember who the second stringer was. I think he played baseball. But, money, who's... Man, the guy that used to play for the Colorado Rockies. talking about Todd Hilton. Todd Hilton. He was second string. He gets hurt in this game. And then it was between him and Brandon Stewart, who is Art Browse's best ever quarterback. And then he finally won out, and people were not convinced that he was better than Brandon Stewart for a very long time. Dudes on his team were like, I don't know about this one. Yeah, and I know this because I've talked to him. Exactly. Exactly. And then it's just like after that, yeah, the thing was, man, he, he never beat Florida though. He never beat Florida. And that's again, that's Tennessee. That's not Texas. Texas's fans have an expectation of excellence that is not in line with the program has been since desegregation. Well, here's the thing at this point. At this point, I don't think it's an expectation as much as it is a strong desire, right? Because <laughs> look, here's the thing. Even if we not talk about, like I learned this from watching NC State fans. We'd be like, oh, y'all wanted to be 1974 again. They're like, no, we just don't want it to be this, right? And so I think for Texas at this point, that Mac Brown run of 10 wins every year, that was a lot to ask for when you think about it, even though it didn't come with conference championships. But I think, Texas should be someone you reasonably consider at least to think about winning a conference or something like that every year. It is a program that's supposed to produce NFL players. Like they're so far short 
of the standard of being a big-time college football program that I don't even think what you're talking about with most people there is even about expectations of grandeur as much as a return to relevance. Fair point. I mean, you know, it, it would have been absurd 25, 30 years ago, even 20 years ago, for people to be like, LSU is absolutely lock, stock, barrel, better program than Texas. Like nobody, tech, nobody at Texas would have ever accepted that. They'd be like, what are you talking about? LSU ain't won nothing. So it is possible that they can be relevant and do that. My thing is, is like, everybody can't go 12 and 0 anymore. No, now, right? and that's, that's my <laughs> thing with these mega conferences and everything. Because they're setting up a place where big time schools are only going to play each other. Yes. Like, that's what I think it comes down to in the end. Because, look, you look at what's left in the Big 12, nothing anybody wants. BYU, to me, is like the only school you might want out of that. You look at what's left of the Pac-12, nothing really, anybody, like, some stuff you might kind of want. But all that's left there, and then the ACC, which is a whole nother discussion for another day, because I don't know what in the world's going to happen there. But it's the scraps, man, right? It's them schools that could get good when they would take chances on players or be out there with 25-year-olds or whatever it is. But... When these conferences go off to where they go, they only gonna play each other. And it's not it's more fun going twelve and one than it is going in NFL twelve and four. Bro, look, I mean I support my school, I bleed purple, all that good stuff. But the thing that I always remember saying right before we joined the Big Twelve, I was like, Man, you know, it's kinda cool going twelve and one though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it ain't as fun to go six and six every year, seven and five, which is the historical mean for TCU. And I'm like, I don't Everybody can't, everybody's not going to be able to go to OU, Texas. All, like, y'all are not going to, it's not going to be fun for all y'all. Let me ask you this before we wrap this thing here up. When you play Madden, do you play on all pro or do you play on all Madden? Oh, all pro. Man. That's what I'm saying. All That's pro. what I'm yeah. saying. <laughs> I, I like I don't, going to I don't play video games get frustrated. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm not looking for a challenge. I'm looking right. for a this good time. time. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I want a good time, not a hard time. Yes. In my yes. free time. Yes. That's what I'm saying. And that's why Joel Anderson had children. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fair enough, fair enough, fair yeah, enough. Man. But, you know, but yo, man. that's Joel Anderson. I didn't even give the full intro. Check him out at Slate. You know what I'm saying? Check out the Hang Up and Listen podcast. He out here. He doing it. You know, H. Bomani, man. I don't know if we talked since the show ended, man. I'm so proud of you, bro. Uh, Thank you, man. You're doing big things, man. And I mean, you know what I'm saying? Y'all got to put me in, you know, maybe a man on the street interview in season two. Something. We'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. But, you know. I'm not, I'm not opposed. I'm not opposed. But hey, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. We do this three times a week. Gabe Bassane and Adi Khan handling things behind the scenes. Thank you, gentlemen. Remember The Right Time Book Club on July the 11th. We wrap it up. We'll be talking to David Remnick, the author of our book, King of the World, a biography of Muhammad Ali. There's still time for you to catch up. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. And we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. Thanks for checking out The Right Time with Bomani Jones Podcast. You can listen or follow on the ESPN app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Right Time with Bomani Jones.